T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. The importance of a, of a coaching staff at the major league level today is vital. And it was vital in 1979 when I first got the job, in 1981 when Jerry first took over. Uh, Jerry was one of the first owners that I know that realized that, that coaches were just not fungal hitters and friends of the manager. So every place that I've been, whether it was Mr. Haas or Bill DeWitt, they've always honored the coaches. So the point I'm making is that the conversations that we're going to have about the staff are really important. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, a radio.com sports station presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Welcome back to Inside the Clubhouse. I'm David Hall with Bruce Levine here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. That was Tony LaRusa from his introductory press conference talking about the importance of the coaching staff. And we are broadcasting live for the Hyundai Score Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. And speaking of that coaching staff, it's time to go out to the Score Hotline uh, presented by Al Pamonte Ford. Al Pamonte Ford in Melrose Park on North Avenue or APFord.com. Bruce, we have a special guest. Well, David, you know, considering how long I've been around, I knew this uh, gentleman when he was a young player. So uh, that shows you uh, where we're going here. Uh, The new addition to the Chicago White Sox and an important addition, our friend Jerry Naren joining us on Inside the Clubhouse this morning. Good morning, Jerry. How are you today? Morning, Jerry. Doing great. Doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Jerry. Uh, look, uh, I was telling David we go back to our, our you know, the Johnny Oates days uh, back when uh, he was a good friend of mine uh, way back when, and you and him were getting started in your uh, managerial and coaching careers. Uh, what a great start that was, and and what a great uh, what a great man Johnny Oates was. No, outstanding baseball guy, uh, outstanding person. Uh, you know, I had the privilege to work for him in, in Baltimore and in Texas. We had some great, great clubs there in Texas. It just seemed like, you know, we played the Yankees in the first round three times and couldn't get past them. But Johnny did a great job putting clubs together. And uh, uh, I was really sorry to see him go there, you know, resign in 2001. And then about a year or so later with his uh, brain tumor, uh, he was given like five or six months to live, and, and then, you know, he lived for about two and a half years, but uh, just an outstanding human being. 
Jerry, congratulations on being added to Tony LaRusso's staff. We know your expertise is in the catching department, and the White Sox have a, a, a lot of depth in that area, and not only when they have an all-star like Yasmani Grandal, but Zach Collins is a first-round draft pick. You look in the system, and there's Zebi Zavala and Yerman Mercedes, and then this week the addition of Jonathan LaCroix, who you know well. How would you describe the depth at that position and, and what your role will be? Well, it's, it will definitely be working with each one of them. But uh, the catching position, uh, you got to have a lot of depth. And uh, what really helps there with some depth is, you know, Yasmani is going to get some at-bats probably, DH, and, you know, you get, it's tough to take his bat out of the lineup. So I'm sure Tony will probably do something with uh, Yaz to get him in the lineup as often as possible. Uh, LaCroix brings a veteran presence that, uh, uh, you know, is – I've been an everyday guy. He's not really been in a backup role before, but we'll see how that works out. And uh, there's there probably will be some competition there to see that backup between Collins, Mercedes, and Zavala with LaCroix. Well, Jerry, uh, LaCroix already gave you uh, the benefit or, and the, the credit for uh, coming to the White Sox by uh, his association with you and then your association with uh, – with uh, Tony and him actually having a conversation with Tony, telling him he wanted to play for the White Sox. Uh, this is uh, this is part of baseball that you know I guess really is, goes is is the, the the soul of the game. The the fact that the connections you have with people over the years, the knowledge of uh, a guy like Lacroix as a competitor and as a person, as well as a baseball player on the field. Uh, Talk, talk a little bit about uh, LaCroix and uh, some of the things that he can bring to this team, uh, you know, as well as uh, the things that we were just talking about here. Well, uh, Luke had some really good years in, in Milwaukee. I don't know if war means anything to anybody. He had a seven-plus war one year. I think he set a major league record for catchers with doubles. Had a really good career there in uh, Milwaukee. I went over to Texas, Colorado, Oakland. He's, he's been around the last few years. I haven't been with him since, I think, 15, part of 15. Uh, I know that he had other clubs that were wanting to sign him. And, uh, you know, I think with just the talent that the White Sox have, he's a guy that wants to win. He saw the talent here. Uh, he knew of Tony's reputation, knows Tony, and, and just knowing me. And I, I think he felt like this was a good opportunity for him. And, Hopefully it is. I think he can still play, and uh, it's going to be interesting this spring. Like I said, the competition. Zach Collins, uh, what I've seen of him on video, can swing the bat. He, you know, he's, he's uh, got uh, the ability to catch. He's got some talent behind the plate, definitely. He's been a catcher for a few years, caught in college, and definitely going to be a major league catcher. Mercedes, uh, one of the coaches in Arizona that I was with, Robbie Hammock, had Mercedes. Uh, in Lise in Dominican uh, winter ball for a couple of years. He really uh, all great, uh, great things about Mercedes behind the plate and swinging the bat. And uh, Zavala I have not met yet, but uh, everybody I talk with says Zavala is an outstanding catcher, receiver, does a great job with pitchers. So there's they're, they're all three of these guys bring something different to the table too. And I'm looking to, you know, just working with all of them, meeting all, all these three guys and uh, – and who's really going to help us out and 
I, I really like that depth that we're talking about. You know, one of the things I'm going to do is ever who that backup guy is, I'll be spending a lot of time just making sure they're ready to play every day because Jazz is going to Jazz is going to play probably five times a week. You know, uh, um, hopefully he plays over 100 games, and, and the catcher's got to know how to stay ready in between those starts, and that's what, one of the things I'm going to try to help do with these guys. We're talking with new White Sox instructor Jerry Naren, former manager, and big league catcher here on Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score inside the clubhouse with Bruce Levine. I'm David Haw. And, Jerry, we heard from Jonathan LaCroix this week, and I thought it was interesting because as we you know, continue to immerse ourselves in analytics and the game changes uh, in, in many ways, he talk, the, the pitch framing becomes something that we often hear stressed and, and magnified when it comes to catchers of a certain age, perhaps, or of a certain skill set. He talked about how game calling is actually more important than framing, and both both matter. But I wonder where you came down and, and sort of that discussion, and, and how um, how what you think about the emphasis that has been placed on framing in recent years. Well, I, I believe in the all around game for the catcher back there, not just the framing or the game calling. Both of them are equally important. I love the idea that now they're quantifying the framing because their guys are definitely getting paid paid for it, and. Uh, as a catcher, you got to love that. But, uh, uh, you know, I, I was fortunate to play with a couple really good catchers in Thurman Munson uh, and Bob Boone. And, and Munson was an outstanding receiver, great game caller, you know, had the whole package back there. And Booney the very same way. And Bob Boone was probably, you know, ahead of his time with, with framing. Uh, he took a lot of pride in it. He was really good at it. And, uh, you know, going to the Angels in the early 80s, I had a chance to work with him and, you know, started taking a lot of pride in framing. And, that, and I'm glad these guys are starting to get paid for it. I know LaCroix in Milwaukee had really good framing numbers, and I think, he, you know, he got, a, got away, went to other clubs, and there wasn't as much emphasis put on the framing, and his numbers went down. The analytic part of it's probably hurt LaCroix over the last couple of years with his framing, and uh, hopefully we can get him back to where he was in Milwaukee. But uh, Yaz, Yaz has great hands. Man, this guy can can uh, do some things with the baseball that uh, not a lot of catchers can do framing-wise. Uh, he's really good on pitches east and west. Uh, and, and at the top of the zone, he's really good. At the bottom, you know, he's, he's, he's one of the best, but his strength is really side-to-side side with it. But uh, framing really isn't just catching the ball. It's also catching it on some angles where the umpire is going to going to see the ball coming back into the zone, and uh, Yaz does a great job with that. But I'm a firm believer it's not just uh, getting down on a knee. You know, you got some guys now just trying to tell everybody get down on a knee, and that's going to be a panacea for framing. And it's really not. It comes back to the angles you're catching the ball, uh, controlling the baseball, being there early, and uh, making sure the ball doesn't control you, but you control the baseball. Jerry Naren, the new uh, catching coach and uh, quality control coach for the Chicago White Sox, <laughs> joining us for a few more minutes on the clubhouse with uh, David Haw and Bruce Levine. We're here for you 52 weeks out of the year, talking baseball between 9 and 11 on the score. Jerry, what was your uh, view of uh, Tony La Russa? I mean, you competed as a coach against him and a manager for so many years. What was your view from him on the from the outside, and uh, your thoughts about joining him and his staff as a coach now? 
Well, you know, my, my first uh, year in the big leagues full year was 79, and that's when Tony got the job with the White Sox. Uh, he was a young guy, not much experience managing, you know, very little in the minor leagues. And uh, like I told some people the other day that uh, the Yankee players were saying, how, you know, how did Tony get to get this job? Because some of them had played against him and all this. And, and I, I just remember Catfish Hunter really telling all these guys that this is uh, a really intelligent guy. When he was playing, you know, he was very detailed. He, you know, he was very smart about the game. He paid attention to the game. And Catfish said, this guy's going to do okay. And, uh, uh, you know, just watching Tony over the years, he, he always had to be prepared for uh, not only the players, but also Tony was always going to come up with something that was uh, a little bit different. He, he, he might squeeze at a certain time. He might hit run at a certain time. You know, bring the infield in, have him back, that type thing. You know, he was doing a lot of different things that uh, weren't going straight by the book back in the year 80s and uh, I just remember Gene Mott with the Angels I was talking to Gene one day and uh, I asked Gene about who the best managers he had managed against and I thought Gene was going to say somebody like Walter Austin or Danny Murtaugh or you know even Sparky or Earl or Billy and uh, and this was in 85-86 but Tony was still in Chicago but Gene said you know the young guy in Chicago is going to go by all of us. This guy's really sharp, and he's going to have a great career, and he's going to be better than every one of us. And pretty much Tony, Tony, you know, came through with that, and uh, Gene must have been a pretty smart guy to see what Tony was doing. <laughs> Jerry, before we let you go, can't let you uh, escape without giving us your insight on the manager on the other side of town, which you have some unique insight into as well from, from having managed, I think, David Ross and – and your paths having crossed, uh, obviously, in, in one year, it was, a, it was a strange year last season because of the 60-game season, but David Ross wins a division in his first year as manager. Uh, I, I, don't, I doubt that surprised you. Uh, what is your relationship like with Rossi, and, and how, uh, how, how surprised are you that he's had success as a manager so far? Well, for one thing, I was a backup catcher, so Rossi is my idol. He is the he is the <laughs> Hall of Fame backup catcher, the greatest of all time. Uh, but uh, you know, he came up over us with the Reds and uh, 06, I think, and uh, did a fantastic job. I'd heard a lot of things about him, you know, but uh, uh, he he became more than just a backup catcher with us in Cincinnati. Did a great job, handled the pitchers extremely well. Uh, I think he's going to be an outstanding manager. I'm excited for Rossi to, to have gotten the opportunity he got last year. And and uh, wherever Rossi goes, whatever he does, he's going to be successful at it. This guy's a special guy. And uh, I'm just excited and always followed him, you know, as a backup catcher. Man, I'm telling you, it was awesome <laughs> to see what kind of career he's had. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, Jerry, before we let you go, tell us about that, that experience in your first rookie year with the Yankees uh, after the tragic death of uh, Thurman Munson in, uh, earlier in August that year, and you having the uh, honor and also huge job of catching the next game after uh, Munson had died. Tell, tell us a little bit about that experience and uh, – how 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 you had to be respectful and prepared all at the same time. Well, yeah, I signed with the Yankees in '74, so I went to spring training a little bit in '76, 
then in 77 and 78, I, you know, I was at spring training for the entire spring. So I, I had a pretty good relationship with Thurman. Uh, he helped me a great deal. I, you know, coming up with the Yankees, I was blessed to be around, you know, Thurman and Yogi and Elston Howard working with these guys. And and uh, Thurman was awesome to work with. I, um, I, I don't know if a lot of people in Chicago know, but the last game Thurman played was at Comiskey Park. And he, he played right. first base that night, and I called. That was uh, – I think on August 1st, 79, uh, we had the day off the next day. And one thing, it was one of those days in Chicago on that Wednesday. We had we had off on Thursday, and the White Sox had off on Thursday. And it was on a Wednesday, and it had been rainy. I mean, you couldn't even see the top of the Hancock building. It, you know, it was one of those misty days. And they were talking about if we got rained out, we'd, we'd uh, play the next day. Have to stay over. Nobody wanted to do that, you know. But we ended up playing that night, and Thurman got killed on that off day. So after that, any time in baseball, I've heard somebody say, well, if we don't play tonight, we're going to have to stay over. It never bothered me hearing that again. But Thurman was a great, great player, great competitor. Um, you know, he had some run-ins with Touch Fisk, you know. But uh, I know one thing about uh, Fisk, Thurman had a great deal of respect for him. You know, Thurman wanted to be the best in, in the game at the time, and, uh, and there was kind of a rivalry there. But there was a, there was a great deal of respect Thurman had for, for Fisk. But uh, the night that uh, we came back and played on Friday, Mr. Steinbrenner, I met with him on the, that afternoon, and he told me about uh, the club was going to take the field for the national anthem and there would be a moment of silence for Thurman. He said, you just stand next to Yogi on by the dugout, and he'll tell you when to go out. And uh, so they, they left home, played empty. They, you know, they had the moment of silence for Thurman that was supposed to last for a minute or so, and it ended up lasting for about 15 minutes. And Yogi finally said, if you don't go out there to home plate, this is never going to end. And uh, But uh, it, it was a great tribute from the fans in New York for Thurman. This guy got after it every day, and I think the fans in New York. And I, I think baseball fans everywhere that saw Thurman play had to appreciate the way he got after it every day. And uh, for me, it was a real privilege to have played for him, and he was a great help to me. What a memory. Jerry, Thank we appreciate sh- it. Yeah. yeah, appreciate it very much. Okay. Uh, David and I appreciate you uh, joining us. And all the best to you, the White Sox. We hope to see you really soon uh, when uh, players and uh, coaches and managers can actually uh, meet with media and fans again. We're looking forward to it. Yeah, we're looking forward to the fans, the writers, you know, everybody. Sometimes players don't get along with writers, but I think the way things are going, the players will be happy to see the writers back every day, too. But uh, Wow, yeah, for a short time. I'm looking forward for a very to short time. And, <laughs> yeah, 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 no. And uh, we've got a good ball club, and it should be an exciting year for us. Thank you. Jerry Naren, the new catching instructor for the Chicago White Sox edition to Tony LaRusso's staff. And, Bruce, uh, that was great talking with him, and he said some things about Yasmani Grandal and obviously Jonathan LaCroix and Zach Collins and how that mix will work together. And you wonder, what uh, what is the number of games that you expect Yasmani Grandal to catch? Because last year it's very difficult to judge in a 60-game season. James McCann was also around here and what is the magic number is it 125 is it 130 is it less than that these are things that uh you know will will be answered based on in part what the depth is like behind grandal you know david uh i think uh less is more when it comes to catching i think you know if you if you catch 110 115 games these days and uh with grandal the the dh spot is open well being a switch hitter 
you find another 30 games for him as a DH. I think that's optimum amount of what you expect for a guy that you gave this huge contract to. And uh, the the other part, which is really essential, is who catches every day if Grandal gets hurt? And that that is the lens that you have to look out of if you're a baseball manager, coach, or general manager. That lens has to be able to to envision who's catching all those other games on a daily basis if Grandal goes down with injury. That's such an essential position that it just cannot be somebody coming in and doing the job. He's Bruce Levine. I'm David Haw inside the clubhouse here on the score. 312-644-6767. Do you agree with Tim Anderson that the White Sox have the best team on paper in their division? Hands down. I think he said hands down. The White Sox are the best team on paper. Let us know what you think. We are here until 11 o'clock talking baseball as we do every week here on The Score between 9 and 11 inside the clubhouse at Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. We're the best team in the division. Hands down. Like, it makes sense, right? Like, paper-wise, let's look at look, – if you look at the paper-wise, we're the best team in the division. So, now – that should be easy, and that should be that should easily motivate guys. Like we're the best team in the division on paper, so imagine what we could do on the field. <laughs> so it's just about having that that attitude. Um, but I think we, I think we got a lot of guys with that attitude. So yeah, now we got a lot of we got a lot of guys that's gonna that's gonna bite at the guys that that, that make them have the attitude. Welcome back. 
to the score inside the clubhouse. Bruce Levine, I'm David Haw. Every Saturday morning, 9 to 11, talking baseball 52 weeks a year. That was the voice of Tim Anderson, Bruce, the White Sox shortstop, who I would say, I would say before last night, maybe the most confident baseball player in town, but then the Cubs go out and sign Jake Arrieta one year, $6 million. And boy, that would be a standoff, wouldn't it? Confidence of Tim Anderson versus the confidence of Jake Arrieta, who you like. Yeah, David, is there a fine line between uh, confidence and defiance? I think uh, <laughs> I think there is a. The, I think they they're meshed together, aren't they? Because uh, both of them yeah. will defy you if you question whether or not uh, they are on top of their game or their team is going where they need to be going. A negativity is not allowed in very often. Baseball needs more guys like Tim Anderson. Baseball definitely benefits from that. And we in Chicago benefit from having guys who believe in what they do to the degree that Tim Anderson and a Jake Arrieta do as well. 312-644-6767. Tell us what you think. That's You know what we think. That's what we've been talking since 9 o'clock this morning. So we will go out to the phone lines, Bruce. Let's go out to our score listener line, which is powered by BetQL and... Bet smarter and beat the books. Download the BetQL app today. Visit thebetql.com. Let's go out to, I think we have uh, Joe and Skokie. Good morning, Joe. You're on the score. Hi. Yeah, I agree with Anderson. I'm, I'm looking at, at their pitching, and they have four guys competing for two of the last spots with great arms. They have Cease, Lopez, Kopech, and Rodon to fill up two positions. All of them have terrific arms. Their bullpen with uh, Crochet in it now and Bummer leading up and, and Cody Hare leading up to the best closer. They are very deep in pitching this year, and I like what they did with um, bringing Eaton and having Madrigal. They could play some small ball. We all know they could hit home runs, but they could play some small ball late with the bullpen like that. And my other comment was, why didn't the Cubs, if they're rebuilding, go for Rodon? Rodon kind of mirrors what Arietta went through early in his career when he was hurt. If the Cubs are re- rebuilding, why didn't they go with a guy with potential rather than a 35-year-old guy who's going down? Thanks, Joe. Good question, hey. Bruce. Well, uh, they did look at uh, Rodan, and uh, I was told that they weren't sure about the medicals. You know, you're talking about a pitcher that's been hurt every year from 2015 through 2020 and uh, missed significant time in a couple of those years. Uh, certainly after a surgery uh, and Tommy John. So uh, this is a, certainly a guy that uh, we know has tremendous stuff, David, And but nobody nobody has a feel for him better than the White Sox. I think that's why he ended up back with them. There was, you know, you would have question marks as well about Rodon, considering, you know, he's he's only been able to uh, to have full seasons without injury, I think maybe I don't. I don't think any of the years that he pitched for the White Sox. So, uh, there there is a, a little bit of reassurance being in the place where you've been all along. When you're talking about Carlos Rodon, you're talking about potential. When you talk about Jake Arrieta, you're talking about production. The back of the baseball card for Jake Arrieta just buys him the benefit of the doubt that Carlos Rodon just doesn't have enjoy right now. And I think that's maybe one of the factors. But you point out the other one really well. And it just was a different uh, scenario. Maybe Rodon was more motivated to go back to the White Sox where he feels like he still has something to prove. Let's go out to Ron on the south side. Good morning, Ron. How are you? Good morning, gentlemen. Uh, you, you know what? 
Um, I wouldn't say hands down they the best. If I had to pick today, I would pick the White Sox. But here's my concerns real quick. And I disagree with the last caller when he said they had some, some depth. Certainly the, the first three pitchers are, are, are very good. But, I, you know, we got to see with Dylan Cease. Um, can Rodon stay healthy? Michael Kopech is going to start in the minor leagues. We don't know what about Lopez, so I don't think they have the depth. I think the, I think the real strength, guys, is going to be the bullpen. I think it's going to be one of those teams that you can get the ball, which they should be able to, to the six innings. They got a pretty effective bullpen. Lastly, um, I heard your guest, and we're talking about the backup catcher, I think it's going to be a real important feature because of the number of um, double-header games. Um, I also wanted to see a left-handed bat. I wanted an exclusive DH left-handed bat. So those are my concerns because Cleveland lost an MVP caliber team. They didn't do too much. Uh, Minnesota made some nice moves, but uh, on paper right now, if I had to pick I would pick, but very close, not hands down. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Ron. That's a really good analysis of this White Sox roster, Bruce. I think all of the holes, uh, perceived holes or maybe perceived weaknesses, he accurately describes because you do worry about the depth of that pitching rotation. No doubt about it. And uh, but there, there are good choices there. And look, we're talking about you know fourth and fifth pitchers here, so. Um, those are good choices. I think a lot of teams would like to have some of that depth. But as Ron points out, Kopech has not pitched in two years. He's going to start at AAA. Is he a starter? Is he a reliever? Uh, I've said all along with a 100-mile-an-hour-plus fastball that this is a guy that's going to end up being a dominant pitcher in the bullpen if he can stay healthy. I don't uh, know about that, Bruce. Know, I, I, I love your insight there, but here, here's the other thing you factor in. Okay, now that you're a White Sox organization that just invested what they did in Liam Hendricks, he is your closer. Why? And you also have Garrett Crochet down there that I think pro- probably will be a starter down the road, but he is in your bullpen. Michael Kopech has got to be projected as a top-of-the-rotation starter as you plan for the future, isn't he? I, I don't know how, how else to look at it because uh-huh. – other, other, why would you get the closer and spend the money there? I don't know. I don't know the makeup yet. I know he's a, a really nice young man who has missed two years. Okay, one beat by injury, the other by choice of because of COVID and other issues that were going on with him. So uh, two years, David, is a long time to be able to uh, be off and then project as a guy that's going to be a, a starting pitcher in the big leagues. He was just beginning his uh, career in the big leagues when he got hurt uh, the first time. So from, from all of that, you know, you're going back 2018. Um, the, the shorter, the shorter trip to success for Michael Kopech is uh, being a bullpen pitcher. That's me talking. Okay. The White Sox people are firmly uh, entrenched in saying he's going to be a starting pitcher. He wants to be a starting pitcher. I'm saying, David, how many guys do you know that consistently throw 100 miles an hour that last very long as a starting pitcher? Those guys usually end up in the bullpen being your closer or setup men. And that's, that's how I look at uh, Cope. That's how I look at Kopech. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you do have the Verlanders. You do have the Coles. You do have 
um, the, the, you know, the Scherzers, but they are a rarity, the guys that consistently throw 98, 99 and have long careers. So from that perspective and just watching guys over, you know, my career as a reporter, I, I'm saying that Kopech uh, fits the bill for me as a bullpen guy. Hendricks, you know, is a little bit older. He's not going to be around for a long time. I just think he's your your closer of the future if he has the career uh, that he wants and that the White Sox want for him in the future. I think that is a fair point, Bruce. I think that's a logical way to look at it, and I think that is the rule in Major League Baseball when it comes to power pitchers like that. The only thing that I have, before we get out back to the phone lines, when you make a guy the centerpiece of a trade that involves Chris Sale, I want him to be the exception to the rule. I want him to be the, mm-hmm. the starting pitcher that is the power guy that you can rely upon for the next five to seven to ten years, and I don't know that he's going to be that guy. Molly and I debate it all the time in the mornings. I probably uh, am higher on Michael Kopech's future quicker than he is because I think he has obvious and understandable concerns. Yeah. But um, he has immense potential. You just hope that he can stay healthy and one day realize it. Let's go back to the phone lines. Chris is in Burr Ridge. He has a Cubs question. Good morning, Chris. How are you? Good morning, Dave. How you doing, man? Good. Good. Hey, man, a nice addition to the show. Bruce, wonderful as always. Uh, Thank you. Let me go over a few things. I've been listening all morning, and, and I want to take the the – 2015 through 2017 Cub fans and get them off the ledge. You know, let let everyone know that when Las, when when Chris Bryant leaves Las Vegas and jumps on, Bruce, you would know this because you've been up in Scottsdale a ton of times, and you, you come down the 11, you go to 93, and you go to the 60, to the 17, to the 101, and you get in your <laughs> rental house. It's really easy for, for KB to want to stay here because him and his wife have been together forever, and he, she can just come across – Vegas to Scottsdale anytime and be with them all spring training. And that's one thing. Uh, the Cubs trade got rid of you, Darvish. He's going to be 35 if he's not. Over the course of those three years, they paid him $4 million per win. So to get Davies and sign Arietta, to me, that's a win. Jack Peterson told his wife he wanted to be here. He turned down other teams. He also turned on the White Sox twice. Haps can't come around nice last year. He's not going back down to the minor leagues. You got Hayward. You know what you got. A solid 270 hitter. Great defender. Gold Glover. You like KB. You like Javi. You like Horner. You like Rizzo. You like Wilson Contreras. I mean, these, these salaries aren't going to go back up. Bruce, I would ask you, are we going to see $300 million salary? So I think the Cubs letting go Q and Chatwood, signing some pitchers with question marks, knowing that they're in rebuild, but they freed up money to re-sign KB, Javi, and extend Riz. Your thoughts, boys? You know, Chris, I think that's a really interesting phone call. Thanks for contributing. Bruce, there's there's something powerful about players when they want to be somewhere. And that's something that's really hard to quantify in this, in this day and age of, of, of all the metrics and all the things that we can measure. That's one thing we can't. And I do wonder when Jock Peterson's motivated to come back. And you do wonder if Jake Arrieta, who clearly wants to be in Chicago, how much is that worth? Well, it's worth plenty if they can perform up to their capabilities. You know, again, it's uh, the the will to win and the will to be good is important, and that's what these guys, you know, have been able to show over their careers, or else they want to remain major league players. But, uh, you know, being realistic about where people are at in their career, I think you have to be right. I mean, if Jake mm-hmm. wins 15 games as an ERA at 3.4, uh, I, I think. 
I think that'll be exceeding expectations, wouldn't you say? I for would say 2000 definitely. Okay. Yeah. So so and, and if and if uh, and if you look at Peterson and he hits 25 and he drives in 70 runs uh, and he gets 450 to 500 bats, that'd be a great year. So I, I think those are the things you have to look at the realistic side of what these uh, guys are all about. The, the caller was right in some sense, and in others, it's like. You know, you don't know what Nico Horner is going to be. You don't even know if Nico Horner is going to start the season with the Cubs at second base uh, because of the fact that here's a guy that only has uh, 475, 500 plate appearances in his professional career. Would he benefit more by going down every day, playing every day at AAA for two months and then being more prepared to come up uh, after a, a veteran, you know, maybe like Bodie or... Uh, one of the left-handed hitters that we're talking about that the Cubs might be looking at to bring in uh, split the position. So there, there's a, there's a lot of unknown about 2021. That's that's what makes fun uh, makes the game so much fun is and, trying and to Bruce, envision what it's going to be. The broader point that Chris alluded to in terms of the Bryant negotiations, or really the the press state of baseball in terms of the economy and, and free agent contracts, or or contract extensions. Do you think that contributes or plays a role in the Cubs? Uh, willingness to to get him back at the table, or in Chris Bryant's mind, which is Scott Boris's mind, do you think it makes them any more or less likely to to kind of bring their number down based on his limited production last year and think, okay, let's make a deal? Yeah, I don't think there's going to be a deal because um, Bryant Bryant and uh, Boris feel that he's a much better player than he's shown over the last couple of years, and I I think they have a real good chance to be right. He's only 29 years old. And, uh, you know, this is a former MVP and uh, rookie of the year. I I think he plays out the year. If he has a great year, he goes on the open market, and the Cubs have a month before or a couple weeks before at least uh, free agency begins to get something done. I don't think – I don't know. I don't know if you could come up with the right amount right now, David. David, right now, if you sit down and you're Jed Hoyer and you're penciling out the offer you want to give to Chris Bryant – what do you think that number would be? Boy, it would not be what it was last year at this time, and it certainly isn't what probably Scott Boris would want to uh, be happy to look at. If I write it on a piece of paper, you know how you see these negotiations, like, okay, I'm going to write this number down, I'm going to hand you a piece of paper, and you're going to react for the cameras. I don't think Scott Boris's reaction would be a good one because I don't know that Chris Bryant has earned that yet. And even though as much as I value him on the Cubs and mm-hmm. would like to see him stay in town, you're right, Bruce. This is this is not a good time to be asking for a lot of money or a long-term contract extension if you're, uh, you know, the, the Cubs' third baseman. And and you know, and you're coming off of uh, the thought process. You had an injured year. You've been, uh, you know, a valuable cog for a team. Keep this in mind about Chris Bryant. He's never played on a losing team, okay, in his career. Hmm. Uh, go back to high school, college, uh, and then professional baseball. This guy's associated only with winning, okay? And in that case, uh, he's thinking, you know, more like, yeah, I'm going to get five years and 125 to 150 million after I have this great year in 2021. But I think I think the proof of the pudding for both sides is 2021, and maybe the Cubs will say, gee, we should have given them the money. But I, I think the prudent thing to do is to watch how 2021 works out for the Cubs and for Bryant. And if he's here all year, 
you know, he might be a benefit to you uh, actually going to the playoffs this year. Great, Bruce. Now I'm going to be spending the break Googling the University of San Diego baseball records before uh, <laughs> 2014 to see if you exactly are right about Chris Bryant. Never yeah, I guessed on, on that team. one, so you might yeah, Okay, being, I'm going to hold you to it and keep you honest. When we come back talking about baseball finances and talking about all things Cubs. We'll talk about our interview on the Mullion Haw Show with Crane Kenny, the Cubs business operations president who was on the station yesterday talking about a happy thing, the extension of the agreement between the Cubs and Entercom and the score to keep the games broadcast right here on 670 The Score. And we will be back with more inside the clubhouse on 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. And the 2-2, a fly ball, shallow right, playable. Zobrist is there. Coming in is Hayward. No hitter for Arietta. Welcome back to Inside the Clubhouse here on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, no hitter for Arietta. That was the voice of Pat Hughes here on the score, calling Jake Arietta's no hitter against the Reds. Jake Arietta, the newest Cub, uh, former Cub, what's old is new, and he signs for one year, $6 million, Bruce, and that's great to hear Pat Hughes' voice, and it's great to know that Pat Hughes' voice is going to remain here on the score for years to come. Yesterday, big news, big announcement on the Mullen Hawes show on Friday morning. The score and Intercom and the Cubs announced a multi-year agreement to keep the games broadcast on our station. We are lucky to have them on multiple platforms. It's it's something that you, you we don't take for granted, and, and Cubs fans obviously get to hear more of Pat, Ron, and Zach, and I think they provide the soundtrack for many baseball fans' summers, and it's terrific news for the station. And uh, that was uh, that was fun to have Crane Kenny on yesterday to announce that, Bruce. Yeah, and, uh, you know, Crane uh, did talk a little bit about uh, some other things other than, uh, you know, this partnership that's gone so well for Intercom and uh, the Cubs. And that was uh, the loosening of the purse strings and the fact that uh, some pitching – would likely be added. So uh, he kind of jumped on to where Jed Hoyer had talked about the, the need for filling up the rotation and the and the bullpen and uh, added that as well. And we had to ask him when we had him because it has been a while and the offseason has gone uh, not like many Cubs fans had hoped and the frustration was real. So when we had Crane on, I just decided to address the fact that uh, – how this offseason had gone based on what was planned and, and what uh, what had happened. All right, Crane, so for the elephant in the control room, uh, there, there's frustration out there among Cubs fans I know that you're aware of. Uh, the major decisions this offseason, trading you Darvish, letting Schwarber, John Lester sign elsewhere, they appear to be, from the outside looking in, budget-driven. And Cubs fans... You know, they see that, and they were led to believe, many of them, that the Marquee Sports Network was going to provide, I think, the way you put it, was wheelbarrows full of cash. And and so how do you explain the difference between what was planned and what's transpired? Well, so, you know, every year is a is a discrete budget, uh, you know, function. So we, we look at every year and the opportunity for revenue throughout uh, the organization. I think we talked about this last year, that, 70% of our revenue comes from having fans in the ballpark. So when you look at ticket sales and concessions and our premium spaces and, and parking and, and everything else, you know, uh, 70% of our revenue comes, comes from that, uh, from that part of the business. 
Oh, yeah. Every budget for this year. Um, you know, the one thing I, I have seen uh, the, the frustration, and, and certainly understand it, and, and that's a natural part of the process with our fans. But you know, when you look back at the the the, the, uh, the Ricketts family support of everything we've done, um, we've had one of the top three payrolls in baseball for the last six years. Uh, we go past the the, 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 the competitive balance tax the last two years in a row. Um, you know, I'm, I'm old enough to go back to prior regimes of ownership where the idea of like crossing over the luxury tax or having one of the top three payrolls in baseball was, you know, a dream. Uh, and here we are, we've done it sort of every year the last six years. So in terms of, you know, the family's commitment to Cubs baseball and putting their resources, uh, behind this team, you know, not to mention the uh, hundreds of millions of dollars they stuck into Wrigley Field uh, and the community. Um, it's, you know, I, I am old enough to remember what life used to be like, and, and I do get the frustration for this year in isolation. But um, in general, uh, I, I don't think we could have better owners. And um, you know, and that would be that would be one way I look at it. That was Crane Kenny on Friday's Mully and Haw show talking about the offseason that the Cubs have had. And later, Bruce, as you know and have alluded to, he promised that the Cubs would go after more pitching. Hours later, they signed Jake Arrieta. And not done yet. As we uh, talked about early in this show, they're going to add more bullpen depth. They're likely adding a second baseman that can hit from the left side. There's some good choices out there. So, uh, it Cup fans might have a different look uh, on this team than they did 10 days or two weeks ago. And, uh, you know, does that bring them up to the caliber of St. Louis, David? Does that bring them up to the caliber of Milwaukee? Are they still a third-place choice in the division? Or are some of these steps taking them to more credibility? Great questions. I think that this offseason, you as a Cub fan – you know, entitled to know what they're thinking. And, you know, I just look at it, Bruce, and, and again, we have been somewhat critical, or I have been somewhat critical of their spending habits before the Jack Peterson expenditure and before the Jake Arrieta signing because, look, it was reflected in what Clayton Kershaw said this week, the Dodgers pitcher, the guy you wouldn't expect necessarily to speak out against teams that are sort of watching their budgets, but he said that uh, – the Cubs and, and teams that decide to have these rebuilds and don't spend money for a few years because they want to accumulate draft picks or prospects, he spoke out against that. And he, he specified and, and targeted the Cubs and said that the Darvish deal was something that uh, wasn't good. And he said that's not good in his words because of the way that you're getting just these 17-, 18-year-old prospects for a guy that was the runner-up in the Cy Young Award. And I understand why players would object to that. And, and I guess the, the Cubs, you know, they're not tearing it down, according to Tom Ricketts. They're trying to thread the needle, according to Jed Hoyer. Yeah. To be continued. Let's wait and see, because you're saying they're not yeah. done yet. Let's see next week what, they're, what they have in store for well, us. Some of those uh, minor league pro- prospects that no one heard of end up being Jeff Bagwell or John Smoltz. So uh, these things have to be judged later on. People to thank today, David. We thank uh, Megan Montemuro, the new beat reporter for the Chicago Cubs in the Tribune. Our friend Jerry Naren, the new coach for the White Sox. Sean Anderson producing, doing a job great for us, as he always does. David, you as well. People can uh, contact me, on uh, watching me on Twitter at MLB Bruce Levine, or on our website, writing Cubs and Sox all week long at 670thescore.com. Have a great week. Yeah, Bruce, thank you very much. Sean Anderson, great job. Stay tuned here because next, 
Mark Grody and Steve Rosenblum, they have Jamal Collier from the trip. Wayne Mesmer, they're on from 11 to 2. I think they call it Saturday Suckage. Is that the name of the show? So you want to stay tuned yep. and you don't want to miss that. For Bruce Levine, I'm David Haw. Inside the clubhouse every Saturday, 9 to 11. Thanks for listening on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.